Psalm 99, verse 1, The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubim, let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. High and holy is God. This week I read the following, I quote it in a wee moment. It's the word of a Church of England female minister. And the reporter who reported her comments called her the disco-loving vicar. And she is attempting to reverse a trend. A trend, unfortunately, that is plaguing many churches in Western Europe. That of dwindling numbers. And her answer is concerts, discos, and parties. She said, I love the idea of people dancing on a Saturday night and praying on a Sunday morning. I think we can do both. The more, the merrier. We need people to come in and have fun. It's not all boring. Not all serious. End of quote. She's basically saying church is boring. Church is too serious. Church sucks. It doesn't get people in. We need to get them in through the door of worldliness. We need to make the narrow gate wider for them. No, that's not the word of God. Most certainly not. And the reason is very simple. It's a lie. It's deceitful. A dishonest and a wrong way of getting people into church. If you get them in by entertainment, if you get them in through entertainment, it's only entertainment that will keep them. The church does not do both. The ungodly do not want to do both. The ungodly want the party, the concert, the fun. But they don't want God. They want to be happy, but they don't want to be holy. They don't want the holiness of God. That's the problem, you see. That's why there's none that seek God. Because God is high and holy. And we cannot win the world by being like the world. It is by being different that we win them. It is by being different that we smite their consciences. And it's only in the smiting of their consciences is there hope that they may see the need of the gospel and to be reconciled to a holy God. And to have a new heart through his grace. You remember Jude said that we are to save people. But we are to save them with fear, he said. Save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment that is spotted with the flesh. So we're not to put the garment on. And to win them with the same garments. 
No, we are to snatch them as brands from the burning, healing the very garments that the flesh were. The church must ever be a reflection of God. The church is the body of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ doesn't party and dance and disco. Neither should his body. We are to be a reflection of our head. And all his holiness. So the church is called to be holy. And the church must be solemn and serious. But for us who are saved, we are happy. Happy in the holiness of God. Happy in the solemnity of the worship of God. And church to us is never boring. If you're a Christian, it should never be boring. God's worship. After all, it is what we will do in all eternity. And we cannot change God to please men. And that is why this morning we are in Psalm 99. We need to remember who God is. And it is this psalm that helps us to see who he is. And we see that he is a holy Lord our God. Who is sovereign. And who reigns in holiness. The Lord is high. The Lord is holy. Verse 2. He is high. Above all the people. Verse 3. Terrible his name, for it is holy. That is, he is holy, who is represented by his name. All that he is, is holy. And whenever I say high and holy, I'm talking about two things that are connected, that are interrelated. Not the same, but they are inseparable and interrelated. He is high because he is holy, and he is holy. Because he is high. His height is seen in his reign. The Lord reigneth. He's on the high throne. He is sovereign. Verse 2. He's great. The Lord is great in Zion. And he's high above all the people. His name is a great name. Let them praise thy great and terrible name. His name is terrible because he's so awesome. To be in his presence is to be afraid, not with a slavish fear, because love casts out that fear. The love that we know the Lord has for us and the love that we have for him. But the fear of reverence, of solemnity, of seriousness, He strikes terror into his sinful creatures by his awesome height and holiness. Now the psalm is easily divided into three. It's very noticeable. There are three stanzas. Verses 1 to 3, verses 4 to 5, verses 6 to 9. Each part ends in a similar way. Each part ends with a call to worship. Verse 3, let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. 
And then he goes into the next stanza. And coming out of it in verse 5 he says. Exalt ye the Lord our God. And worship at his footstool. For he is holy. And then we go into the next stanza. And as we come to the end of that in verse 9. Exalt the Lord our God. And worship at his holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. Each stanza coming to this climax. Finishing with he is holy. Thrice holy, 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 holy. So this is the call at the end of each stanza. It's not a call to boredom. It's not a call to frivolity and fun. But a call to worship. Just as we state every week when we commence our service. Very simply. But very sincerely and truly, let us worship God. Let them praise thy great name, verse 3. Exalt ye the Lord, worship at his footstool. Verse 9, exalt the Lord and worship. The female vicar says it's not all serious. Well, it is. It is. And the reason that it is always serious is because God is high and God is holy. Let's think about that, this height and this holiness. That means that he's pure and sinless. It means that he's set apart. He's holy other. The height shows that. The holiness shows that as well. That's what holiness means. It doesn't just mean he's pure, though he is that, and that's part of his holiness, but he is different, distinct. He is not like anything else because everything else he has created, he is not like his creatures. He is awesome. He is high. He is holy. It's not like there's a ladder and worms are at the bottom and animals and then another step up man and then another step up angels and then the next step God. No. God's not part of the ladder. God's above the ladder. Beyond the ladder. Surrounding, enfolding, encompassing and entering into the life of the ladder. Beyond it and yet within it and through it and upon it, he is transcendent. And we have no idea what that means. But he's the Holy Lord God. He's alone. And so it's not that he's a, a step, a graduation as it were. No, he's He's above and beyond holy other. Other. And that's what it means by high and holy. Now it is true that God took a creature nature, a marvelous condescension in his love for men, to become a man and among men, to raise men into the life of 
It's an amazing thing. And we know that our Saviour has a creature nature. But we never forget he is also God of God and light of light. Holy and high. I'm just basically saying God is God. And God is different from his creatures. We're created. He is uncreated. We have been. He is being. Who has given being to everything else. He is life eternal. We are low and common and dependent. He is high, holy, independent. The creator and sustainer of all things. And we must act accordingly with seriousness and solemnity. The central verse is verse 5. The middle stanza, the end of the the verse. Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool for he is holy. So that's where we are now. We're God's footstool in Christ. And the earth is his footstool. Just as footstool, mind you. It's just as feet. His crown is high. Beyond our comprehension. And I have no idea how high and holy he is. But we believe. Infinitely high. Infinitely holy. And therefore we must be serious. And how can we be bored? God is not boring. He's not And if we find him boring, there's something seriously wrong with us. We need the Lord to quicken us. Do you yawn? Keep looking at your watch? At this footstool? Dare we disco and dance like those at the golden cow? At the foot of Sinai? No. We worship. The previous half a dozen psalms or so were were all about this idea of God as sovereign, as king. And three of them actually begin with the words, the Lord reigneth. Psalm 93, verse 1, Psalm 97, verse 1, and Psalm 99, verse 1, are texts. In the first one, the Lord reigneth, his clothes are described. He's clothed with majesty. He's clothed with power and strength. He's girded himself with glorious apparel. And then the second occurrence of it, the Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of the isles be glad. In the second occurrence of it, the attention is not drawn to his clothes, but to those around him who are rejoicing in his sovereignty, who are glad in his height and holiness, who are happy in it, who are delighting in it, and exalting in it, and they have happiness. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the islands be glad. Those who have come to know God's grace can rejoice in his sovereignty. And be happy. True happiness. Because there's no true happiness without holiness. They're inseparable. And the way to happiness is the way to holiness. And the way to happiness is by the path of holiness. And in the presence of this holy God. 
His people through Christ are, are happy. They have him. They don't need the dance. They have him. And then in our, our, our psalm, there's a difference. The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubim, let the earth be moved. In Psalm 97, it's rejoicing and being glad. The king producing this gladness and the response of the godly is gladness. God brings us joy. But in Psalm 99, the response is different. The reaction is tremor, agitation, moving, unrest. That's a very different response. And we'll see more about what that means in a moment, God willing. Let's first be clear that coming to church is like coming into this psalm. We're meeting at his footstool. It's not coming to the disco. It's not coming to fun. We come immediately into the throne room of Almighty God. Let's make that clear. His name is Jehovah. He's the Lord. The Lord reigneth. His name occurs seven times, Jehovah. The psalm begins with him, verse 1. The psalm ends with him. The Lord our God is holy. He's holy at the start. He's holy at the end. Throughout the whole service, throughout the whole time we meet in his presence, he's the same holy God and has the same height. When we come to church, that's what we come to. Did we not see that in Hebrews? You're come unto Mount Zion. No, it's not Sinai. We know that. In the grace of God, but it's another mountain. Zion. We're not waiting for Zion to come. We are already come to it. We are worshipping at his holy hill. We've come onto the city of the living God. We're already there. We've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. We've come to an innumerable company of angels. He dwelleth between the cherubim. We've come to that place, the throne of grace. Where our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ sits and reigns. And he's here in the text. This is him. We're seeing the glory of Christ in this psalm. And we never leave his presence throughout it all. And churches like that. So what I'm saying, congregation, and this is why we stood up to hear this psalm, let us take our shoes off our feet. Let us give God our attention, our reverence. Let us refuse to be distracted. Let us not offend him by allowing distractions or the thought that I wish this was all over and I could get home, these thoughts entering in. But rather let us patiently wait before him and say, Lord, open mine eyes to see thy greatness and thy glory. Give me understanding, Lord, of thy majesty. Show me thy glory, as Moses prayed. Circumcise mine ears. Open my eyes. Make haste to help me, O Lord. 
And we must continually say to Satan, Get thee behind me. We must worship the Lord our God and him only. As Jesus said to him, so must we. The striking thing about this psalm is that it is not past tense. It is not the Lord did reign. It's not history. We're not entering into a museum when we come to church. We're not going to come into an archaeological site when we come to church. We're not going into the university of history. We're not hearing lectures on history. Now we touch on history. And this psalm touches on history. But we are before the Lord our King. The Lord reigneth. It's not even a future reign. It's not a past reign. It's an eternal reign. It's ever present. And we enter into it in his grace. It's not future as if prophetic and we're waiting for it and it's only going to last a thousand years. He reigneth now forever and ever. And this is who we come before. This is now. This is the reality. People talk, what's reality? Hardly anybody knows now what reality is. Even the Christian church seems to have departed what reality is, what reality means. The very basics of life, to know what is reality. This is reality. God is high and holy. There is no worldview that is right that doesn't see that. The king reigns in the heavens. He sits between the cherubim. This is a reference, of course, to the Ark of the Covenant. The mercy seat, the glory of God between the cherubim, surrounded by these, these awesome beings, an innumerable company of angels. That's where we've come. That's where we are today. And that priest, or that minister who says, you know, let's go and make gods of gold, and we'll dance them a party, and we'll just go and we'll have fun. It's a false prophet and priest. The psalm is related to Isaiah 6. You remember Isaiah's call and his vision of the glory of the reigning God. The earthly king Hosea was dead. His reign was over. But Isaiah saw the throne room of God was still unchanged. The Lord reigned. I saw the Lord high and Lifted up, didn't he say? High, lifted up. Holy, 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 the angels are singing. High and holy. This psalm is connected to that. That's why there's this play in this three, threefoldness. Isaiah 6, we read about it. These seraphim that surround the throne, you see they have six wings. But they only use two for movement. Two for movement. A, a third of... Uh, the potential of movement is used for movement. But the other four, they cover their faces. They cover their feet. They, they, they veil themselves. They enfold and enclose themselves. As they serve God and move around, they sense this holiness of God and they say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. 
They're in a state of excitement. But yet serious. They're not bored. That's for sure. They don't have to say this is boring. This is too serious. Let's get some fun in here God. Let us not mock God. Let us not tell God we need entertainment. Let us just obey him. Let us just fear him. Let us just reverence and worship our Lord God Almighty. And thank him that he has brought us into his presence. Through Christ. Who despite the fact that we were sinners. Came into the world as a man. And died for our sins. To raise us up to the seriousness and serenity. Let's not mock Christ. Let's not listen to these false prophets. Who say we need this, we need that, we need the other. We need to change God, we need to change the services. No. We need to continue to be serious. And solemn. And prepare our hearts for the beatific vision. When we actually come into his presence. And see this holy high God. Face to face. Discos and entertainment and parties. It doesn't prepare for that. Holy, holy, holy. That means not ordinarily holy. Not just holy. Not even holy, holy. But infinitely holy. Divinely holy. Three persons. God holy. Triune holiness. The holiness of God, the most holy, the highest form of holiness. Three is the number of God, of course, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is infinite holiness. Now, Isaiah responded to this Satan, these words, holy, 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 in a way of fear and terror. Because he said, woe is me, I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. It humbled him. And it, it wasn't a very pleasant experience being in the presence of God in some ways. But I tell you this, it wasn't boring. He wasn't bored. He wasn't yawning, half asleep. He wasn't looking at his watch. When's this going to be over? It's not all boring. It's not boring at all. Our God doesn't bore us. His word doesn't bore us. His love doesn't bore us. It excites us. It thrills us. We want more of it. We want to see it more. We want to feel it more. It wasn't fun either. It was a sense of the sacred of the He was tuning into the sacredness of God. And brethren and sisters, that's what church is meant to do. It's to tune us into the sacredness of God. That's why everything is reverent. That's why there's quietness and stillness. We're being tuned into the sacredness of God. The seriousness and the solemnity 
of this high and holy woman who has condescended to put his footstool here in the midst of us in his son Jesus Christ. The people tremble. The earth is moved. It says in verse 1. This is how ungodliness reacts to God. You have to understand that these are not commands. These are not imperatives. They're not the usual imperatives. These are two responses to God's height and holiness. Tremble. Moved. His people are moved with admiration. They see God's beauty. They desire God's beauty. They are moved with love and attracted to him and want to become like him. To God's people, it is magnetic, it is desirable, it is drawing, drawing to worship, drawing to delight in him and desiring to be like him, to partake of his beauty and somehow get something of his beauty into our own soul. But there's another response to God in those that have no grace in their lives. It is a response of recoil. The response of hatred, anger, agitation, agitation of this holiness, agitation against this height and sovereignty, the dislike for it, the distaste of it, opposition to his reign, opposition to his holiness, rather than repent. And pray that we may be like God in holiness. There is this anger, this agitation. This moving in agitation. This impatience. Enmity. Resistance. Even anger. And I think that's how the get the Greek translation, puts it. Let them, let them anger. And the sense is not, not command them. Be trembling. No, the sense is the Lord reigneth. Let, let them be agitated. Let them be angry. Let them move about. Let them resist. Let them rage. Because God is high and on his throne and holy and he is untouchable. He's untouched by their anger. He's untouched by their rage. They can't overcome God. They can mock him. And indeed they do. They can say he doesn't exist. He's not sovereign. God's not like that. They can say all of that. And they can disco and dance before him in ungodliness. But he is still God. He still reigns. He still is high. And he still is holy. And that of course. Connects us with Psalm 2. The heathen rage. The heathen are angry. The heathen are agitated. Such agitation. As crucifies Christ God's son. Such agitation as. 
martyrs his saints, his people. The rage. They imagine vain things. Let's get them in with the disco. Let's surround God with the party. They imagine a vain thing. And the kings of the earth, they set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his Christ. They rage and they foam and they ferment. Let us break their bonds. Let us cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. For he is high and holy. And he speak unto them in his wrath. That's not the way you want God to speak to you. You want him to speak to you in his grace. He does that first. Be sure to hear him speaking in his grace. But if you won't hear him speaking in his grace, there will come the day when he will speak unto you in his wrath. He'll speak unto them in his wrath. And he'll vex them in his sore displeasure. And he remained them. Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. He's still there. So, dear saints, your Savior died to bring you unto God, this God. To one day not just be at his footstool, but to be before his face. One day, and we don't comprehend, we can't understand what this will be. To enter into the life of God and be before his face and have the beatific vision. But one day we'll be before his face. Every one of us who are saved by grace. Through Jesus Christ. And we'll see that he is high and holy. And even then we shall be filled with joy unspeakable. But we shall be reverent. It's all through Christ, isn't it? His grace brings us to this. So keep on trusting in Christ to bring you to God. And in the meantime, be content at his footstool until you ascend on high. Be content at his footstool where Christ is and worship him in Christ with reverence and fear. Be content, people of God. Be thankful for what you have in Christ. And be reverent and serious in his house, humble in his presence. Godly and holy in conduct of life in the house of God and outside it. Didn't we sing? From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. Be ye holy, for I am holy, God says. So God doesn't want us to be unholy and like the world get them in. It can't be. God does not want us to talk like them, think like them, act like them, speak like them, to attract them. No, God wants us to be different. Different. And that's how the church in the early century spread throughout the world. 
Not by being like the pagans, but being different. Because their being different eventually smote consciences and opened up minds and made people think, why are they different? You know, the pagans, just like today, they killed their children. They aborted their babies. And when they were born and they were weak or frail, or if it was a girl, they didn't want a girl, they, they brought them out into the forest, out into the dark places with the wild beasts, for the, for the wolf to come along and take and devour. That's what darkness does. That's how I know Western Europe is in darkness. Because that's the way they treat the babies. You know what the Christians did? They went out into the forest. And they rescued the babies. They were different. We can only save sinners by being different. Not stooping down to their, their sales way, ways. Or their economic ways. Augustine would have become a, a Christian a lot quicker than he did if he could have kept his thumb. He was living in a common law relationship with a woman. He delighted in his pleasures. He was becoming convinced of the truth of the gospel. And he wanted to be a Christian in some respects, as he famously said, but not yet. Not yet. He wanted the fun instead, you see. But he read Romans one day. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And Christ set him free. Free not through the dance. Free not through the party and the fun. Free not through the rock and roll. Free not through the forgetfulness of God. But through Christ who set him free from those things in his grace. So we cannot stoop to trashy ways, congregation, to get sinners to worship God in his holiness. We can only live holy to smite their consciences and to awaken them to their ungodly lives. And to lovingly and kindly implore them to repent and save them with fear. Let us pray.